got it all in control. He puts that reassurance deep down in my soul. He's got it. got it all in control. He's got it all in control. He puts that reassurance deep down in my soul. He's got it service this evening. We're going to change it up just a little bit, and uh, let's put it in the key of D. 
Let's sing that song. We haven't sung it in a while. I would not be denied. Change the speed up a little bit. I don't know about you all, but I've heard uh, for the past week and a half, a lot has been going on, not just with myself, and but I've heard that there's a lot been going on with everybody here and around the world, and I'm, I'm kind of ready to give the devil a black eye this, this evening, you know? Uh, some of y'all know I was in an accident, a slight accident, uh, last Friday, and uh, was a little shook up, but we're fine, and that's nothing but God's grace that was looking out for us that evening, so... But uh, I just uh, I just want to sing a couple fast ones and just let the devil know that uh, he's not getting me down. You know, no matter what, he's not going to get me down. So when pains of death seized on my soul, unto the Lord I cried. Till Jesus came and made me whole, I would not.
has made me glad I will rejoice for he has made me glad I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart I will enter his courts with praise I will say this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice for he has made me service this evening. We have a few prayer requests to, to go over. If you would just play something softly, Brother Matt. Um, we just uh, want to remember Sister Rachel Coffey this evening. She is uh, sick, not able to be with us. Uh, we want to remember Brother Ben and Brother Jason who are not able to be with us. They're having to work. So we just want to remember them. Uh, we want to remember uh, Sister Sarah Vasaki. Uh, she's at home uh, having some issues with her knee, so we just want to remember her. Uh, we just want to remember Brother Johnny Reynolds, uh, who is at home sick, not able to be here, so we just want to remember him. And Sister Haley is also uh, at the airport right now, uh, so we just want to remember her. And uh, we all know, and I'm sure uh, Brother Barry will probably talk about it a little bit more, but we all know about uh, Sister Erica. Uh, we just want to remember Brother Donnie and his family in this time. And uh, also, we just want to uh, remember uh, Brother Billy Paul. Uh, just remember him since he's uh, not doing good in the hospital. So, uh, But that's all the known prayer requests that I have and that I know about. Um, so uh, I know we all have unspoken prayer requests, though. And just by the lifting of your hand, the Lord knows that need, and he can come down and touch it this very moment. So. Uh, Brother Jeremy, if you would come up and pray over these prayer requests at this time. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are thankful once again, Lord, to be gathered together in your house, Lord. We don't take it for granted, Lord, and we count it a joy and a privilege. Lord, as we humbly approach your throne, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would cover us with your blood, Lord. Hear us through that blood. We thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice that you paid for us at Calvary. Lord, and because of that sacrifice, Lord, that you've made, we bring these petitions before you in faith, believing, Lord, that, Father, you're more than able to go to each need. Lord, those that are ill and can't be here or traveling. Father, we thank you for your angels of mercy that are encamped about us continually. So often, Lord, when we're even unaware, Lord, and we just thank you for your grace and your mercy towards us. Lord Jesus, we leave these now at your feet. 
all of our cares, Lord, our needs, we give them to you, Lord. And we just want to take this time now to lift you up, Lord, to praise you and give you thanks, Lord, for your love and mercy towards us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to just open your word once again, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that as your servant, Lord, has sought your mind, we pray, Lord, that you would give him your leadership. Speak through him, Lord, I pray. May he just be a tool in your hands to speak to each need, Lord. It's so amazing, Lord, how you're able to to minister to all of our needs, Lord. And I just am looking forward with expectation, Lord, to what you have for us this evening, Lord. Father, as we look in your word, we want to we want to see that perfect reflection of Christ in our lives, Lord. So help us, Father, to Help us to yield ourselves more to you, Lord, we pray. Receive all the glory and praise. We love you and give this time wholly to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may have your seats. Let's just sing this with Brother Matt's playing. So I am the God that healeth thee.
who has broken down every wall. He is our to come forward at this time if you would just stand with me Brother Tom if you would pray comes let's sing uh, majesty let's just invite him this evening so majesty worship his majesty Oh 
Let's sing that chorus again. Just the chorus part. Exalt. So exalt. Lift up on high the name of Jesus. Magnify. Glorify. Christ Jesus. Father, we lift our voices to you tonight together in the name of Jesus Christ, believing, Lord, that you hear even the simplest prayer by the youngest one among us. You care about what we go through, Lord. You never promised us that we would avoid troubles and heartache, loss and sickness. You never promised that that wouldn't be a part of our experience here on earth. But, Lord, you, you promised that you'd be with us through all of it. Promise, Lord Jesus, that there be nothing that would overtake us. Nothing, Lord, could destroy us before your purpose was complete. And so now, in the name of Jesus, we place this service in your hands tonight with confidence, believing, Lord, that you know all of what's going on in our lives and our hearts, Lord. And we just commit every need into your hands, Lord. And Mitchell's read some prayer requests, Lord, and we we, we ask, oh God, that you be merciful to those that have been mentioned, Lord, those that are mourning tonight, those who are not with us, we commit them into your hands. Many people who are traveling, Lord, and I, I just pray that your mercies would be extended to them. And we commit this time of study now into your hands. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Let's take your Bibles, if you will. Let's go directly to the scripture and we'll jump right in. I forgot to mention I forgot to mention a Mitchell about Brother Johnny Reynolds. Uh, Sister Doris is here, but Brother Johnny was not feeling well, so uh, we want to remember him. Lots of people are afflicted by this seasonal thing that's going around, and uh, we just pray that God will touch Brother Johnny. Good to have all of you here. Good to have all the drums here, and uh, great to see all Thad, Bethany, and family, and Brother Joe and Sister Frida. May God bless you all. Good to have Brother Wellington here tonight. I wrote him this week and said how much I missed him on Sunday. And uh, he was here. And <laughs> I thought, I've gone over and I thought, I, man, I just, I, I, somehow he must have turned sideways and I missed him. And, but good to have you here tonight. Second Corinthians chapter 4, let's take a reading tonight. And I'll begin at verse 15. For all things are for your, for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but through our, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Our light affliction. Now, if you want to look at Paul's affliction, you go back to verse 8, and you can 
read what he talks about here, and he says, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed, we are perplexed, we're not in despair, persecuted, and so forth. He talks about all the different things that he's going through. And in 17, he concludes all of this and refers to that as a light affliction, which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. In other words, in comparison to where we're going and what we're receiving, this trouble is nothing. And that's a really good attitude to have when you're going through the valley and uh, facing different things. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. May God add his blessing and may be seated tonight. <clears throat> well, good to have everybody back who was not here on Sunday. And uh, glad to have all of you here. And uh, you're all missed, even if you are here and I don't see you. That means you're missed. So... Uh, I just wanted to say at the outset uh, that we uh, assume all of you know Sister Erica Parker uh, passed away on Monday night. Uh, actually, it was actually early Tuesday morning and uh, passed away. And uh, I told Brother Donnie that we would sure be remembering him in prayer. I was in contact with him today and uh, told him we would sure be remembering him and the family. And if there was anything, obviously, we could do. But I know that uh, you folks are praying people and it would be the best thing we can do at least for now is just to remember that family in prayer and I, I've often often said to people nobody should have to bury their children nobody um, and that's a tough thing and Thad and Bethany are here with the family and I know they're part of that church and uh, that's a tough thing even not only for a family to go through and a husband to go through and children to go through but it's a hard thing for a church to go through because you lose one of your own and you know, we, we treat each other like family, and I think we should in churches. And, uh, you know, when we lose somebody like that as close to us and young, uh, you know, it just it, it affects the body, that's for sure. So it isn't just uh, the immediate family that we want to remember, but, you know, that's a difficult thing for any assembly to go through. And uh, sure want to remember them in prayer. Brother Donnie was scheduled to preach uh, at the meeting, the South Carolina meeting that's uh, coming up beginning tomorrow. And uh, he's not, and uh, so they've made a change in the preaching there. And uh, so if you don't mind, um, I've got a little a role to play, a little part to play. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to ask you to keep that in your prayers. If you don't mind, I don't, um, without going into a whole bunch of detail, I just would appreciate it if you'd remember me in prayer. And that's Friday morning, Saturday morning, early in the morning. Uh, I have a little uh, session that we're going to do with the young people, and if you could remember that in prayer, I surely would appreciate that, and, and uh, uh, we'll count on that. So that's Friday morning, Saturday morning. All right, <clears throat> now, um, the last thing I wanted to say is that we are honored and blessed tonight to have Brother Tim Ashong with us here. And uh, Brother Tim, why don't you wave or holler or just let your... He's all bundled up against the frigid cold. Brother Tim's a good friend and an answer to prayer. And we're glad you're here, Brother Tim. Glad you're feeling so, so good. He's here doing some follow-up with the doctors and going to be around for a little bit. And uh, we'll probably pull on him to speak on Sunday for us. And uh, Brother Tim, we're, we're just honored to have you with us tonight. We're sorry your wife uh, couldn't come, but they were just in Europe and she had to go back. And uh, so we make sure you pass on our love to her.
we certainly were looking forward to seeing her uh, with you this time too. But we're glad to have you, Brother Tim. Don't think we're not. So, <clears throat> all right. We're looking at this little subject here tonight of unseen forces, and we're, we're, it's probably going to stretch out just a little bit longer than tonight because almost 99% of sermons do these days. But I, I wanted to uh, incorporate a couple of things that are taking place. Uh, obviously, in our world, there are significant things uh, that are happening, and uh, I don't need to go into details about uh, you know some of the uh, some of the uh, events that are unfolding because you're bombarded with headlines and so forth, like everyone else, and uh, so you can follow along on some of the details there. And uh, it's it's a, a thing where. Uh, it's a situation where, in a circumstance where, uh, there's lots of things that are happening and, and very unpredictable. We really don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. We don't know what the next move is. And then there are wild cards that happen. There are things that no one expected uh, happen, and like the hospital incident there in uh, in Gaza City. And uh, th- those are things that no one predicts, and all of a sudden everybody's got to deal with that. And uh, so. When we, when we look at all of this, I, I believe that whenever it comes to the land of Israel, nothing happens by chance. So that's how, kind of how I look at it. Like, all of this is significant. Even if I can't put it all together and I can't make the pieces all fit, it's all significant somehow. And God is using it all to make his word come to pass. Because when God makes a promise, he's ob- he, he, in making the promise, he is also making an obligation to fulfill that promise in his time. And in his own way. So it may not happen like we think, or it may not happen when we think it should happen, but I will tell you that it's going to happen. And when it does happen, it's often not popular. In the same way that when Jesus was born on the earth, there was opposition even before Jesus was born, right? There was opposition. So whenever God goes to do something, there's, it, in, in a sense, it ignites a struggle. It's, it sparks a conflict. And that is still true today. And so you're looking at Israel defending itself uh, for something that they did not initiate. And now all of a sudden, uh, you know, the, the world is backing up against Israel and uh, making things difficult for her. So we, we, we're looking at that. We're just kind of keeping that in the back of our mind here. But I want to put that in context for us because we're still here. So there's still got to be a work done among the Gentiles. And I believe an increasing work or a work that increases in intensity because our faith has got to be to the place where it actually affects our physical body. Right? And, and we get out of here and, and then God turns completely to the Jews. You can tell, you can tell, as I said to you before, that God never allows a struggle to happen in your life unless you're prepared for that struggle. That, that, that uh, struggles or sicknesses or problems or things that look like disasters that happen in our lives, let me tell you, they don't just happen by chance or because you made a dumb decision. Very often they happen because God has allowed it to happen and he's given you the resources already to deal with that struggle. And in Israel, Brother Branham says the way he deals with Israel in the natural is the way he deals with the church in the spiritual. So let's go the other step with Israel and say that if they're involved in such a struggle and their whole nation is at war, uh, God knows that Israel is capable of handling that. And it's not because they have more might than any other nation or all the other nations, but I believe that God will allow them to go into war because it's time for Zechariah to be fulfilled, Zechariah 12, where he says, now I will stand for Jerusalem. I will stand for my people. 
So therefore, even if Israel doesn't think they're ready, they are ready because the word of God is coming to pass. Okay, so you may not think you're ready for the struggle you're facing today, but I believe God knows better. He knows that if you're in, he knows that if you're in a struggle, he's there to see you through that struggle and come out victorious on the other side. So we should never, uh, we should never wish we were not in the struggle. There's a lot of things we would not want to go through again. But every time that we are in a struggle that's ordained by God, let me tell you, you come out a better person for it. So let's look here at what Brother Branham says. The church today, as it's laboring away under the task of preaching, 1956, with signs and wonders following, they are preparing for a miracle, the rapture of the church and the going home of the bride of Christ, right? I mean, that's the whole point. That's, that's why we labor. That's why uh, ministers still minister. That's why preachers still preach. That's why missionaries still travel, is because they're preparing the bride of Christ for a miracle. This is not for the whole church. They're being prepared for something else. But the, the bride of Christ is in the rapture cycle, and one day they'll be changed and, and, and brought home in a twinkling of an eye. Preparing people, getting them light, unburdened from the things of the world, and getting their souls set in the presence of God, that when Jesus does appear at the second time in glory, those who are ready will rapture and be caught up together with him in the air. What a sentence. That whole paragraph, one sentence. That's quite a sentence. Because that's what God's doing. He's preparing people. He's getting them light and unburdened from the things of the world and getting their souls set in the presence of God. And that's, what, that's, what, that's why ministers minister. And so therefore... If that is true, if we're moving in this direction, moving in an up, and I say an upward, because I don't really know where the change is going to take us. I don't know if it's going to be a lateral move or if it's going to be a vertical move. I just know that one day we'll move. So I'm going to, for now, tonight, if it's all right, I'm going to go vertical. All right? Is that all right? Maybe next Wednesday we'll go horizontal. I don't know. But tonight, let's go vertical and say this. We're only able to rise as much as God allows. We cannot, we, cannot, uh, we cannot figure out mentally, we cannot deduce good enough to understand the mind of Christ unless he reveals himself to us. He, Brother Bam says we are mortals, and he knows that, and we only understand as mortals, we only know as mortals. We only know as our senses will let us know, and the rest of it we had to believe by faith. So we only know as our senses will let us know. And there are some people who have, uh, they have more education and they have more insight. They have more creative uh, ability about them, right? Some people, uh, it's just amazing. You know, uh, people, people will say, in my, in my childhood, uh, when, when the singing occurred, I was out of the room, right? You all know the story. But I was sent out of the room. And when, when it came to art, and like right brain things and art, uh, the only thing I really knew was in, in school was how to draw a conclusion. I, I didn't know how to draw anything else. And people, you know, people, uh, like even some of my sons can take a, a blank piece of paper and just go to it and make beautiful images there. And I, I'm still at the stick phase, you know? Stick people, don't laugh, girls. Don't laugh there in the front row. I, I just I was I was out of the room when that was given out. I don't know. So, I, I, and no matter how much I try, no matter how much I try, uh, it's almost like I'm, there's a block. I, I don't know how, if you ever feel that way. Some of you are shaking your heads at me, saying, "That's terrible. You can't draw anything." 
Think of, I only say that to say it, say it this way. We, we can only know as much as our human ability and our human sense allows us to know. And he says the rest of it we'll have to believe by faith. We have to say that there's a God. Whether we see him or not, believe it anyhow. Whether there is, our, whether there is or wherefore, sorry, whether there is or not, we still believe it because God said so. So in other words, he's alluding to something here that uh, for believers, it's not just a, 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 a function of our brain power. Our, our understanding of God is not just a function of how well we think or how educated we are. Because there's a lot of really educated people who don't know God. And there's a lot of people who are uneducated who don't know God. And there's a lot of people who are very uneducated and know a lot about God. And there's a lot of people who are very educated and also know a lot about God. It doesn't depend on reasoning or logic or understanding or, or degrees, right? It doesn't depend on that. It, it's, it's without money, it's without price. The, the understanding of the mind of Christ is given to us freely by God. But only, if we only know as mortals, we'll only be able to know to a certain level. And I'll guarantee you, nobody in, our, nobody in the human race has learned enough so that their body was actually changed, right? They've never come to the place where they knew so much about God uh, that their body was changed. That, that, that is for sure. So scholarship is not the answer here. Scholarship is the answer for uh, providing for your family. Nothing against that. But that's not the way for your body to be changed. We're going to be changed by faith. Isn't that right? So I, being a graphic person, I, I, I tried to uh, illustrate it this way. If that's the human mind, and our understanding is limited to that, we're really not going to go very far with that. But revelation would be immensely larger. And the only reason the circle is this big, because I'm limited by the size of the screens. That's all. So revelation is far beyond our human understanding. Would you agree? And this is what Paul writes in, in 2 Corinthians. Now it says Corinthians there, but it is 2 Corinthians. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would, have, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It, it's evident that they never really looked at Jesus and understood who he was, because if they did, you know what? They never would have nailed him to a cross. My goodness, they never would have done that if they realized who that was. Anyone with, a, with an ounce of revelation would never have nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. But these are people who were without understanding, not necessarily without education, not necessarily without position, right? Not necessarily without authority. They had all of that, but they had no revelation of who he actually was. Isn't that right? So Paul is acknowledging that none of the princes of this world knew who he was because had they known it, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man. And that word entered there in the Greek language, it's in small print, sorry, but I had to get it into the eternal. Uh, it means to spring up. Now there's some people, uh, you know, you can bring up any subject and it doesn't matter, they'll say something, even if they're not thinking about it, they can say something. There's all kinds of things that occur to them. They'll, it'll spring up in a conversation, and they're very good at that. This is not what that's about. Paul is saying, as it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it sprung up. It never occurs to man the revelation that we have by God's grace. The things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, uh, the deep things of God. 
So this is not learned. It's not an academic exercise. It's not intelligence. And there, those things are all good. Academics are all good. Degrees are all good and so forth. But this is not something that we achieve. This is something we receive. Are you with me? Revelation is something we receive, not something we achieve. It's not something we perceive. It is something that we receive from God. And Paul is saying it that that's exclusively the only way that God uh, makes himself known is through this process of revelation. You all know that. Now, so Brother Branham says that Abraham, when he was asked to sojourn in a strange land and look for the promise, he never doubted the promise. The Christian looks at the unseen. That's really quite a statement here. Because you think about it, if, if you went home tonight and in a dream God appeared to you and said, hey, I need you to go to uh, in, uh, Inuvik. I need you to go to Inuvik. The, the pastor up there, Brother Don Battles, died a number of years ago and people are up there straying and struggling so we need a good, minister, we need a good man of God up there. And so I need you to go to Inuvik, which is up in the cold country, North Canada. And you'd be saying, yeah, right. And, you know, but God say, no, that's for real. Hey, this is for real. I need you to go. And uh, uh, there's a work for you to do up there. I mean, that, that was, in a sense, equivalent to what God said to Abraham. I, I, he, I want you to go and sojourn in a strange land. So he asked him to go to what is now Israel. And when he goes to Israel, uh, he, he takes up residence in a land that he doesn't have any possession in. He has, no, uh, he has no inherited right to be in that land. In that land, everybody who owned land got it from their father and their grandfather. And uh, it all was handed down in the family tree, in the family line. Abraham shows up and uh, he stands there in Israel. And God says, hey, Abraham, I got an announcement to make. It's only you going to hear it, but I'm still going to make the announcement. And that is this. Look around. Look this way, that way, this way, that way. And see all that land? It's all yours. Yeah, right. And God says, no, really, it's all yours. And Abraham has no natural right to that land. But God says, it's all yours. I'm going to give it to you. Now, the only problem is there's a whole lot of people living on that land, right? But now Abraham begins to act because he believes God. He begins to act like, you know what? Hey, folks, this is my land. You're all right today? You're all right? Stay where you are. But this is all my land. Now, you can imagine how the people must have reacted to, to Abraham, right? Yeah, right. Who is this guy? But what's Abraham looking at? He's not looking at anything that he can legally or rightfully possess in the natural realm. He's looking at the unseen and he's hearing from a God in that realm who says, it's all yours. And Abraham believed that. That's why we refer to him as the father of the faith. Is that okay? I just want you to kind of get in tune with this. Now, remember, there's an unseen force that drives him to this. And there's an unseen force that establishes him in the land. It's not, he doesn't have a deed. He doesn't have papers when he shows up in the land. He doesn't have anything at all that qualifies him as an owner of the land, except for the voice of God that he hears. And he realizes this truly is true because God said so. It's an amazing thing. And Abraham, uh, Brother Bram referring to Abraham and his seed, he said, Hagar gave birth to a baby through Abraham and she would, she would take it. And that became Ishmael, who was a thorn in the flesh from then until now, still a thorn in the flesh. Ishmael became a thorn in the flesh from then until now. Still a thorn in the flesh, for out of there came the Arabs 
And they've always been that way. You know what it is? It's a struggle over the land. It's a struggle over Jerusalem. That's exactly what it is. And so therefore, this began way back. This is not something that began last Saturday. This is something that began way back. And when Ishmael was born, and born not according to the program of God, as a matter of fact, God never ever says to Abraham, that's your son, Ishmael. That's your son. God never says that, and he never says to Ishmael, this is your father, Abraham. God never says that, because God did not initiate father, the fatherhood of Ishmael to Abraham at all. <clears throat> and so therefore, Ishmael has always been a thorn in the flesh, and he says, and they still are. And then Brother Branham says again, and here now working, uh, here now working, he says, the devil taking his seat is turning the hearts of these political men against Israel, and they're hooking up yonder with the Arabs. This is in the 50s. And he says, you can see the way this is going. If you do a study at all about the United Nations in the message, or you go look up League of Nations, which League of Nations was the precursor of the United Nations, and they were both formed uh, to prevent any more world wars. They both came into being after the First World War, League of Nations, and the United Nations after the Second World War, and they were designed to impair anybody who would start a world war. In other words, everybody was going to police the world, and if there was trouble, we were all going to jump on him and make sure you didn't get momentum and uh, start, a, start a world war again. World wars were too costly, too devastating, too many people died, uh, too destructive, and so therefore we're going to make sure it doesn't happen again. And Brother Bram said it absolutely failed because it was not of God. So they were trying to do something to police nations in the earth, and it was not of God, and it didn't work. And Brother Bram says, here now working, the devil taking his seat is turning the hearts of these political men against Israel, and they're hooking up over yonder with the Arabs. Brother, we're as good as gone. Man will sink as sure as the world. reason is, is because the moment we, do, the moment we side with nations that do not side with Israel, we are in trouble as a nation. Because he who blesses Israel will be blessed. Okay, hold on now. So the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 14, if you haven't read the book of Zechariah, please read the book of Zechariah because all of it is kind of a uh, roadmap for where we are today. And I will gather, this is what God says in Zechariah chapter 14, uh, verse 2, for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken and so forth. I will gather all nations against Israel. This is today in the United Nations and this is a security council. And everybody in the world agreed to condemn Israel because they would not allow aid to come into Gaza except for the United States and Great Britain. Both of those uh, members of the Security Council raised their hand. So looking at it in a humanitarian way and looking at it in an unscriptural way, there are people in the world who hate Israel and they really are void of what you and I know. They really ought to come and ask one of you whether this is a good idea or not to vote against Israel. I wish I had the picture. I didn't have it. But there was a picture of all of the Arab members of the United Nations and Arab leaders who had gotten together for a photo app. uh, Op. Not an app, an op. There's an app for it, but in the op, they all got together, and they were all, the thing that was, that was interesting is that they were all united against Israel, and they all wanted to stand together and be identified. And I thought to myself, how stupid. How, how risky a thing that is. And Brother Bram said that they will eventually influence other nations. Now, 
I, all I'm saying to you by showing you this is, all, all I want you to, to, to do tonight is go away and think, what if? What if we're at the day where, where this is actually coming to pass? That all nations are gathered against Jerusalem to battle. What about if Saudi Arabia cut off oil supply to the United States and the United States was pressured into agreeing with Arab nations against Israel? I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there. I have no thus saith the Lord, but I'm just throwing this out there to say, what if, I mean, what if, what if we're at a place where, you know, something happens like happened last night where the hospital was bombed and I think pretty categorically they've proven it was not the IDF who, who dropped the bomb. But we don't want to let truth get in the way of what we believe, right? So most people who are watching TV and hearing about it all blame Israel for that, even though the evidence suggests it was not. But we don't want to let truth get in the way of what we believe. I'm being sarcastic here, right? And, and, and that kind of thing obviously turns people and turns nations against a nation like Israel. Because remember, this is not just a natural struggle. This is, a, this is God fulfilling his word. And if it's, if it's not today, then I'm telling you, this is how these kinds of things happen. Because in a day, everything can be changed. We know that, right? 9-11 proved, proved that for us. And, and last Saturday proved that for us, that, that in a day, in a very short period of time, you don't need weeks and weeks and months and months, in a day, things can change. And you know what? We're powerless to do anything about it, aren't we? As, as human beings, we're powerless to do anything about it. The advantage we have, though, and, and the, the thing that is powerful on our side is that God is not slack in revealing his program to us so that we can be preparing for the miracle of the change of our bodies. That's what, hey, wake up. This is what this is all about. That's why we go to church. That's why we pay our tithes. That's why we obey God's word. It's because he's teaching you to live in another kingdom. Amen. This is about leaving. It's not about staying. It's about preparing. Not about retiring here. It's about, it's about going. It's about leaving. It's, about, it's a season we're living in. And there's nothing you can do to change it. Los Angeles will, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be destroyed eventually. And all of those things that have been spoken, if God says it, it's only a matter of when and not if. It's not if it's going to happen. It is going to happen. And so we're, we're looking at Israel and there's all kinds of things happening there. And all I'm saying to you is what if? What if this is the beginning of God turning nations against, against Jerusalem to battle? Because it's not about Gaza and the, and the dirt pile that it is. I'm not being critical of the people, but it's just a pile of dirt now with a lot more dirt pile on top. It's not, that's not what they're fighting over. It's Jerusalem that they're fighting for. Jerusalem is the center of the struggle. And God says to, to Zechariah, he says, this is going to happen and the residue of the people shall not be cut off in the city. Then the Lord, verse 3, shall go forth and fight against these nations as when he fought in the day of battle. So remember what I said at the beginning. God never allows you to enter into a struggle unless he knows you're capable of overcoming in that struggle. And God would not allow Israel to be in such a pressurized situation unless he knew he was standing with them and he's the one that's going to carry them through. Watch for the supernatural. I said, watch for the supernatural. Just watch. It may not be portrayed accurately by the media, but watch and see what God does here. Because I believe he's the prince of Jerusalem. I believe he's the, uh, the victor. I believe he's the overcomer. I believe he's the strength of Israel. 
they have great technology and they have great weaponry and have some very smart people and all of that. But you know what? They were asleep at the wheel when this thing happened here. But there's one who doesn't slumber or sleep and he knows exactly how to take care of Israel's foes in the same way he knows how to take care of your foes and your problems and your issues. And his feet shall stand in that day on the Mount of Olives. I stood there on the Mount of Olives many times. And, I, you know, just, this verse just kind of, uh, it just intrigues me that, that he will stand one day right there. This hasn't happened yet, but it will happen, which is before Jerusalem on the east and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof. Usually in our route around Israel, and we're just going to have to talk about it because we're not going to do it this year. But uh, it, it, usually in our route around, going through Jerusalem, we always wind up coming for the east uh, into the, into the uh, Temple Mount area. And this is what it says, that in that day, which is before Jerusalem in the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, and he, towards the east and the west and so forth. And all of this is going to happen. That's, not a, that's just not a, a thought or a theory. That's going to happen. Do you believe that? And I, I, I would be very confident in saying when that happens, you'll have to look at it from glory. You'll have another body when that happens. Because you won't be here when that takes place. So somewhere between then and now, Somewhere between now and then, there's going to be a change, a miracle take place that the world will not really appreciate because all they'll see, Brother Branham said, is an absence of people. We'll get on the other side and sing Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the miracle of getting us here where we are today. But only the bride, I believe only the people on the other side will appreciate how all of that has unfolded there. And I'm thankful. It gives us consolation, Brother Bram says, to know that, know this, that we do not hold our destiny. Aren't you glad that God doesn't hold our destiny? I was talking to somebody today and they said, I'm just trying to figure my life out. And I said, I'm glad it's you and not me. Man, I can't figure out my own life, let alone yours. I would not want the task of trying to figure out my life. And the truth is, is that we don't hold our destiny. God holds our destiny. Say it with me. God holds my destiny. Say it with passion. God holds my destiny. You got to be loud in the first word. God holds my destiny. So this is the way it looks. Your origin is your destiny. Sorry, the drum family. You didn't know we repeated things like that. We do with passion. Destiny is the ultimate end or purpose for which something is created. It is a thing completed. And our origin is our destiny. Isn't that right? You want to know where where you're going to, you just need to think about where you came from. And if your name is on the Lamb's Book of Life, your destiny is already a done deal. No worry about it. Everything in between is what we discover the meaning and the, the moral parameters and so forth, you know, the, the way we live and the, the Christian life, all of that is, is essential to, uh, to this life. But what really matters is our origin and our destiny. All right, so let's, let's focus on three things here. We want to talk about the forces that manifest the word of the hour. And we're seeing that happen today. Forces in our own lives that will cause his will to be fulfilled. Because there are times when all of us make decisions or things happen to us that change things. Moses, for instance, when he was, when he was in, that day when he met God at the burning bush. Everybody know where I am? In the book of Exodus, right? Brother Bram said he was on a very well-worn path. He'd walk that path every day, herding sheep. He knew where there was grass, and he, he walked that path. This is what Brother Bram says, and he says it in the sermon from that time. 
And Moses walked that path every day, every day, every very familiar with it. But all of a sudden, something changed. And he said, I, I saw this, I saw this fire in the bush, and it caused him to get off that path. God, let me tell you, you're on a path now. God's got all of us on a path. But in, in God's own time, there will be something that distracts you off that path, and now we're moving in this direction. And forces cause that to happen. And we don't often see them. We don't always understand why that why it takes place. And then forces at work actually override our failures. Forces at work that actually override our failures. And those are what we refer to as the supernatural things. Those are supernatural things because we, we don't often get up in the morning and say, Lord, I feel like I'm going to fail today. And would you mind helping override all my failures today? We don't often pray that. There's lots of unseen forces in the world. You think about it. Gravity, radiation, electricity, magnetism are all unseen forces, right? If you don't believe in, in gravity, come on, stand up here and go that way. You'll find out gravity still works. Works real good. Works for male, female, young and old. Sure does. But it's unseen, right? We know the effects of it because of what it does, but we cannot actually see gravity. And then lukewarmness is also a force, isn't it? There's, there's a spirit of lukewarmness. There's, a, there's an atmosphere of lukewarmness. And the devil loves lukewarmness. I believe the, the lukewarmness that Satan tries to bring is something that's, that's a very powerful thing. In, in, in the world today. I'll say a little bit more in a second here. And then there is what Brother Branham said in, in 1963 and 1964 as he's going into it after the seals are open. He says, now you watch the wave of sin that strikes. He says, after the opening of the seals here. And so watch that wave. He said, it'll go right plumb to the coast. He said, in other words, it's gonna, there's going to be a, a force that sweeps over the entire nation. The whole world be affected by it. There's all kinds of other ones like fear. I don't know if you've ever met somebody who has a spirit of fear. If you, if, if you go to Israel today, there's a lot of people who are afraid. There's a lot of people who are very upset, and they, they have lots of hate in their lives. There is a force of love. There, the occult has a kind of a, a, sport, a spirit in itself. Uh, bitterness, jealousy, many other things that we could put here, but these are all forces. None of them are tangible. None of them can we take out and feel them, uh, but they're real nonetheless. Would you agree? So Brother Bram said, now Moses' faith, <clears throat> so let's do the contrast. Now Moses' faith did not rest upon what he could do with the biggest army in the world. On what he could do sitting on Pharaoh's throne as Pharaoh. Moses' faith didn't rest in that. Now he, he was trained that way. He was brought up believing that that might be a possibility. But when God got a hold of him, his faith didn't rest in that. If I had the biggest army in the world, what would I do? And, and he, Brother Bram said, that's not what he put his faith in. His faith rested on, thus saith the Lord. And if he'd have to chose to sit on Pharaoh's throne, there would have been little maidens come by and give him wine and everything. But he looked out into that desert. You know what he did? He looked at things that were not yet. He looked into the not yet. And he saw, he saw God fulfilled, somehow or another, he knew this was of God. And somehow or another, he knew this was God in the process of fulfilling his word. And somehow he knew, he knew when he looked out in the desert there, he knew somehow this was connected to the promise that God gave Father Abraham hundreds of years ago. And now we're moving into that cycle where it's coming to pass. And Abraham, sorry, Moses just knew that. He, he never knew how it was all going to end here. He probably never knew that he was going to be stalled in Jordan and not go over the river there. He didn't know all the outcome. He didn't know about uh, Janus and Jambres and all these guys and the opposition and the struggle there. But that didn't matter. What mattered is he knew somehow this was God and his faith rested in God's word, not in the circumstances I may face. 
He didn't, he didn't, he didn't fear what Pharaoh may say. He didn't fear what anybody thought about this decision here. His faith was rather, he's looking out into the desert. He's looking into the unseen. He's looking into the not yet. And somehow he realizes, you know what, boys, this is right. This is right. In the same way that you were moved on by a force, and we would, we would uh, you know, attribute that to the Holy Spirit, you were moved upon by the Holy Spirit that when you came in contact with the message to leave everything and, and embrace the truth. I did. Now, I didn't have much to lay down. I didn't have much to lose. I didn't have much to give away. I didn't have much to sacrifice and give up. But I just knew that whatever I had was not anything compared to what it is that I'm seeing out there, even though I had no idea what the Bible said, and I had no idea what the Christian life involved, and I had no idea that God was going to choose me for a special purpose just like he chose you. I had no idea, but somehow or another I was convinced it was right. I told you before that when I came, you know, when, I, when we were our pastor, when we first came in, we finally got a pastor. We actually went to a town, physically picked up the pastor and all his furniture, put him in a truck and moved him to town. Because he was a pastor and didn't have a church and we were a church and didn't have a pastor. Duh. <laughs> so we put that together in a hurry. <laughs> anyway, when we brought him into town, he taught us that one of the things we should do is pay tithes on everything we possessed when we came into the faith. That's kind of your beginning point. Now, the, uh, Irregardless of whether that's true or not, uh, he, he said that we needed to pay tithes on everything that we had when we came into the message. All your savings and uh, you know, the money you had and so forth, your wealth, your, your, uh, your net worth. So we had to do that. Well, I sat down with my pen and paper. Didn't take me long. <laughs> I paid $2. I had $20 in the bank. Don't be laughing. I had $20 in the bank. So I paid $2. I did it faithfully. It didn't take long. So Moses now, he's looking out, and, he, and he, sees, he sees this thing that's not yet. And he said it would take two million Jews, not much more than heathens, and take them out there in the desert where there wasn't a growing thing. Take two million people out into the desert. But God's word, he said, gave the promise, give the promise that he'd take them to the promised land, and Moses took out after God's word. He didn't take off after popular opinion. He took off after God's word. He knew that was right. And if Moses would have took Pharaoh's throne, he'd have been known as another Pharaoh. You know what? He would have lived and died in a fancy uniform and had a great big funeral. But that's about it. But now Moses is known for what he did in simply following God's word. Let me tell you, there was something that moved on him. Isn't that right? Or, I mean... Let's say Noah, right? I mean, all of a sudden, when you think about the forces here that are at work, I mean, there's, it's clear that Noah's doing something that he doesn't have any precedent for. You can't Google an ark. Back in that day, you couldn't Google an ark because there was no such thing. Neither could you Google ring because there was no such thing, which was the prevailing argument of the time. There is no such thing. And you know what? If it ain't on Google, it ain't real, Right? Come on, folks. If it ain't on Google, it ain't real. So Moses says, nonetheless, something is moving me to build this ark. And before the flood, there was arrogance. And violence prevailed. Violence was a very prevailing attitude. People were violent in their thinking. People did not want to be opposed. They did not want to be stirred or moved out of their comfortable pew. They relied on science 
and logic. Immorality abounded. Hey, how do you know, Brother Bear? How do you know? Because as it was in that day, so was it in this day, right? And it was a time when mercy was spurned. They had it. They had the knowledge of it. They had access to it. They were privy to the program of God. All they had to do was listen. And the end came suddenly. Those are characteristics that define that day of Noah. And all of it has to do with attitude. Except for the last one. Because that's when God decided to shut it down. But God knew he would shut it down when he told Noah to build an ark. He said, hey, I'm done. You know what? I'm done. But tell you what, I'll give the people 120 years and I'll give you 120 years to build me a boat and preach it for 120 years, but I'm done. So when God started the ark, he was already done. I wonder, think about the parallel. Man, when God sent this message, he was already done. You know what he waited for? You. Come on, folks. The world never got it. You got it. And you weren't around in 1947 when Brother Brandon broke out and you know, begin, they begin to record his sermons, Faith is a Substance, and all the rest of it. If the pattern is true, God was done when he sent Brother Branham out on the field. Because when Noah was sent out on the field, God said, Hey, Noah, he said, you know what? Thoughts of men are evil continually, and I'm done. But let's, let's, let's do this. All right, let's do this. Imagine when the message was first preached. In the mind of God, it's already over. What's the holdup? You, me, aren't you glad the pattern holds? All right, so the day of the Lord comes as the thief in the night, as we know. Now, Brother Branham says this about our time, and he says, we don't have to hurry and act like the rest of the world. You need to quieten down. Now look, if your food is a constant stream of negative news. You're going to have a tough time quietening down. Because that will get to you. Isn't that right? And if you adults are shaking your heads and agreeing with me, let me tell you, it's having another effect on your kids. So if I were you, I'd be selective about what your kids actually have access to in relation to this because uh, some of the arguments that are seen are very passionate and they're very strong and and they're meant to to sway your thinking about things and so if if your if your diet is constantly current events and your sources are all cnn and all the other resources that are out there let me tell you something you'll have a tough time quieting quieting down it's in the presence of god really that we quieten down and you gotta you gotta move some things aside you gotta turn some things off if you're gonna quieten things down because God does, not come into, God does not come into certain atmospheres, right? And so he says, what's the matter with the Christian? He said, the spirit of the world today is neurotic. That's not the spirit of Christ. What a blessed assurance. And this is what he says. Don't try to do anything about it. He'll do it as he promised he would. You can't make yourself more bride than what you are. As if you're predestinated, you're predestinated, Right? You're not going to stop Los Angeles from cracking off and going into the sea, even if you pray real hard. You're not going to stop Zechariah 12 to 14 from being fulfilled because that's what's supposed to be fulfilled in our time. And you don't have to do it. God will do it. That's what he's telling us here. It's his business. And as long as you're fooling with it, he can't have it. But when you turn it loose and let him have it, he'll take care of it for you. And what a perfect 
calmness the Christian ought to have. He's not just saying this for 1962. I believe that no matter where life brings you, you should have a perfect calmness. Say that with me. Perfect calmness. Let's do it again. Perfect calmness. I like that. Now, Noah, I don't know if this is what you're looking for, this screen here, but remember all of the events that take place are all a fulfillment of things that were said about this hour, and they all matter because Christ is at the center of all of it. He's the one who's making all of these things move, or all of these pieces be on the board in certain places. And really, we're powerless to change that. We're powerless to influence that. Now, I, I want to I just show you something here. And... Um, I, I don't have my, my sheet with me here, but <clears throat> this is 1963, and it's called The Voice of God in the Last Days. I'm going to stop in a minute here, so just bear with me. There's a voice today in the world of politics, a voice of politics. He's talking about the different voices that exist, you know, the voices of the church and the voices of uh, government and so forth. And he said, there's a voice t- today in the world of politics, a great voice. You know who was president back then? John Kennedy. And at the advent of television, John Kennedy's voice was heard lots. And people liked to watch John Kennedy. They liked to hear him and hear that, that New England drawl that he had and talk about, you know, the, the desire to go to the moon and so forth. Because that's when all that began. They never got there for several years, but he, he started all of that. I mean, he talked about all of that in, the, in their development and so forth. So, but then he said, it's all mixed up in their churches. And many times, he said, we have seen just recently, the voice of politics is actually stronger than the voice of God in churches, or the American people would never do what they just done. Now, I'm the type, when I read that, I thought, what did the church just do? So, naturally, I found an article. It was an editorial that was written for Christianity Today. Christianity Today is the only leading Christian evangelical magazine in the country. It's been around for years and years. And in 1963, somebody had written an article. I should send you the link because it's kind of long, but I printed out a little summary of it here in my office, and it's still in my office, so you don't have the privilege of hearing me read this summary. But I'll just, I'll give you a little bit of what I remember from the summary. Because I wanted to know what was Brother Bram talking about here and the voice of politics is actually stronger than the voice of God in the churches. Now today, if you're observant at all about evangelical Christianity in our country, the largest denomination in our country today is or was the right Southern Baptist. And they're the largest denomination in our, in our country. And they are essentially divided now into two camps. Now that they're divided and they're struggling with each other, there's all kinds of, of struggle that's coming out, all kinds of uh, illicit activity that's come out, and sexual abuse and all kinds of things like that. But the reason that the division is there is because there's some people who want to actively side with the Trump side of things and uh, you know move to the right in a profound way and then change the church and make it more attractive to young people and change the music and everybody sit on the ground and all the rest of it. And in that article in 1963, this guy said, this pastor said, he said, I don't know what more I could do wrong. He said, my church was 400 people when I started and now it's down to 50 in the same year. 
He said, I tried plays, I tried drama, I tried coffee, I tried uh, dances, I tried modern music, I tried everything else. He said, I'm down to 50 now, and the trustees are going to sell the building for an apartment building, sell the church for an apartment building. And, and he was talking about how, uh, how frustrated he was. And then they were talking about the pastors and how, uh, you know, this was, this 1963 is when Madeline Murray O'Hare got enough influence in the country to have prayer voted out of schools, Right? And, and, and this article mentions that. And, and it's interesting because Brother Bannon mentions that. Most of you don't remember that. But what was, what was incredible was that when they did a poll among American people, 70% people of people felt it was wrong to do that. 70% of the people said that prayer should be in schools. My goodness, we're a Christian nation. Duh. And that's what 70% of the people said. But when they did, when they, when they, uh, when he did the carried on and di- they did a survey of the clergy, the, the, the pastors and ministers, they got up and applauded her and said, no, it's a good thing they take it out. Brother Branham says, where were all the preachers when that happened? He said, they should have been a voice crying in the wilderness like John the Baptist. But they were the ones who agreed with the Supreme Court ruling when 70% of the people disagreed with the ruling. And he said, as a result of that, there was a lot of people in the pews who were confused. And he said, you know what they did? They drew back because they said there's a disconnect between what the book says and what's happening in the church. So you know what? I'm going to be gone on Sunday. That's literally what happened. People became Christians in name only. They had her name on a pew, and this pew is dedicated to Grandma Jones because she died in 1962. God bless her soul. And so we're going to dedicate a pew. And they were members of the church, but they did not participate. Because you know why? The clergy were advocating one thing. And the Bible was saying something different. And the people couldn't reconcile that. And they said, you know what? We're out of here. And then, right then in that year, church membership actually began to decline. Why do you think we have groups of nuns here now? N-O-N-E-S, right? You know what the nuns are. I've told you about the nuns, right? There's no, no mention of God, no uh, thought of God, nothing about God in government, schools, or education, or anything at all, right? They're nuns. Everybody, you know what nuns are? I've told you several times. Where do you think all of that came from? This didn't pop up here in the last day. The seeds of all of that were sown back there in 1963. And you know what they were doing? As you read this article, you realize, you know what? The Holy Spirit had left that thing. The Holy Spirit had left. And he's on the outside knocking and can't get in. And they're trying to put programs in there. And they're trying to put popular speakers in there. And they're trying to put conventions in there. And they're trying to put music in there. And they're trying to put coffee in the church. Now, that's not a bad thing, really, coffee in the church. But they're trying to put all kinds of things in there to substitute for the presence of God to keep people coming. And you know what? They're still doing that. Come as you are, sit on the floor. Music is fast and loud. 30 minutes music, 30 minutes preaching, and then you're out. Hey, I got a guy in my town. That's the way he advertises his church. And you know what they're doing? They're trying to do whatever we need to do to get people to come because there's no draw of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's not there. He's on the outside knocking. Where did it begin? It just didn't happen overnight here, folks. In 1963, here's Brother Bram saying, many times, we just seen recently, the voice of politics is actually stronger than the voice of God in the churches, or the American people have never done what they just done. That's when segregation took off. That's when, uh, you know, Martin Luther King was, was killed a couple of years later, and all the rest of it. Watch, he said, if the voice of God would have been kept alive in the church, they'd have never made that mistake. 
It's not, it's not uh, the, the church itself, the building itself. It's the presence of God that makes a difference. Why is it that we come here? Why do we, why do we come to church at all? Honestly, seriously, why do you bother? It's not because of me, and you know that. It's not because you don't have anything else to do, and you know that. There's something good, though, about the presence of God that draws us here. I could go around the room and ask you what time most of you got up this morning pretty early, had a full day, got a full day tomorrow, probably going to get up at the same time. Like Sister Mary Elizabeth over here got to go and wash dishes for the next three or four days in a camp in the wilderness. But what is it that keeps us coming? What is it that keeps us here? It, it's not personalities, and it's not music, and it's not coffee, because we don't even have any here except for the pastor. It's the presence of God. But watch, he said, the voice of politics, hey, this is 1963. The voice of politics is so much stronger in the earth today than the voice of God until people sold their Christian birthright for a mess of popularity, education, and political power. Whoa. That's when you say, whoa. Whoa. You think about a quote like this, he's actually saying a lot of things because there's a lot of things that are actually going on here in, in what he's saying. And Brother Bram said, these spirits that you see moving, anything today, he said, it's like a government, a church or anything. It's controlled by a spirit. Organizations are controlled by a spirit. Church organizations are controlled by a spirit. Churches are controlled by spirits. And not for one minute should you not think that bad spirits can creep in among this message community. Those are spirits that will cause people to say and do things that Brother Branham did not say and the Bible does not teach. And it is a very real thing. And it is a very, very troubling thing. And that's why this is not an hour for you to sleep. This is an hour for you to be on your toes. Churches are controlled by spirits and individuals are controlled by spirits can we say that everything is controlled by a spirit? That's what he's telling us, folks. Everything is controlled by a spirit. You better be sure you're under the control of the right spirit. Here's, what, here's where Samson made a mistake. He went from Palestine down to the Philistine country, and he got off his own guard, grounds. He got off his own grounds. And he finally one time, <clears throat> finally one time presuming that God was with him, God had left him. He never thought that that would happen, but you know what? It did. He was with God until he wasn't. And enough disobedience caused the Holy Spirit to be grieved away from him and he had no power. But I like this. When God seen Samson's hair grow again, and that was God's promise to Samson, God seen Samson with his promise, God was obligated to Samson. If you don't pay your tithes, you don't go to church and you don't really care, don't expect God to care. Because he operates in response to obedience. You're at your best when you obey God. You are at your best when you, when you obey God. And Sam, God, When God seen Samson with the promise, in other words, I, I, I'm, I'm fully surrendered to this promise. I believe that, I, I, Lord, you've called me to fulfill something, called me to do something, and God was obligated to Samson. And he put those big arms on them big old pillars and pulled her right in. His strength had come to him again. Probably... On a measuring stick, he probably still had very short hair, but you know what? He was fully surrendered to God. 
Let's stand to our feet. And when God sees us with the promise, we may have caught, we may have messed up in a lot of different ways. We may have messed up in a number of different times. But I'll tell you what: when God sees you with the promise, and that's that's a, that you know what, live or die, sink or swim. That's exactly what I believe, Lord, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do this till the end. You can trust that God will stand with you during that hour. Trust that God will honor that. God will recognize that. God will honor that. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks, Joe. Give thanks, Matt, with a grateful heart because God has done great things in our time. I'm thankful. We don't have to rely on the little human mind, but we've got the resource of revelation and the mind of Christ. We are a blessed people. You believe that? Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. Oh, give thanks with a grateful heart. We give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. And let the poor say, Because of what He's done for us. And now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say,
Praise the Lord. The more that I surrender, the lighter my load. Brother Tim Mashong, why don't you come on up here and close in prayer uh, tonight, if you will. And, folks, I'd like you to remember Brother Troy in prayer. Brother Troy's with us tonight. He still has that kidney stone there, and it doesn't want to go anywhere. Uh, that's got to be uncomfortable, Brother Troy. We're going to be praying for you. And uh, I'd like Brother Tim, if you would come up and close in prayer. Remember the services this coming weekend here uh, in the camp. And if you don't mind remembering that special need in the morning services there. Let's sing one more one time. The more that I surrender, the lighter my load. Come on up, Brother Tim, up here. More that I surrender. God bless you, my brother. Good to have you. And the more that I release my cares, the more he takes control. And the more that I can humble myself, the more he lifts me up. Every day I Thank you again for this opportunity. Yes, Lord to be Jesus. In your house. Amen. And to hear your word. We are grateful for the light of the day. Yes. That you've given unto us. Yes, Lord Jesus. Thank we you. thank you to know that you are in charge. Amen. You are in control. And there is nothing way, out Lord of Keta. We are very grateful, our Father. Yes, Lord. That you have pre-planned and pre-arranged everything. And Lord, you know all that is happening today in the world. We ask for grace that Lord, we love you more. Amen. We'll be more surrendered unto thee. Amen. Lord, we'll be more committed. When we see these things happening, and we know that time is at hand, Lord, help us and make us ready. Yes. Want to pray. For Israel. Yes, Lord Jesus. The only nation that is called by your name. Yes. May you stand for Israel. You say you will defend Jerusalem. And you will fight for Israel. Amen. So we pray that you undertake, guide the leaders. Lead them, O Lord. And stand for the nation. Yes, Lord Jesus. Lord, take fear. Let them know you are there. You see them through. You say you plant them in their land and nothing can remove them out of that place. May the plans and the counsel of the enemy be turned to foolishness. And let your counsel stand. May your counsel for our lives stand, Father. We love you. We thank you for ministering unto us. We thank you for your servant that you made use of. And once again, Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit Yes, we Lord. water down the word in our hearts that it will bring forth fruits of righteousness. Amen. To know how to conduct ourselves Amen. and behave yes, in times like yes, this. Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, you know all the needs in the midst of thy children. Lord, we pray that you grant us grant the Lord desires Jesus. of our hearts and meet every need and every challenge to the glory of your name. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray Hallelujah. that you dismiss us with your blessings. Thank you, Father, and grant each and every one of us yes, Lord. genesis hope safely. 
Thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray with faith and thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Brother Tim. God bless you as you go tonight. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with my Jesus.